the book of Acts, chapter number 17. We'll begin reading with verse number 15. Don't forget those of you that are planning on attending the Mercy Me concert. That'll be next Sunday night. You'll see Sister Becky if you haven't already. And then also don't forget uh, November the 1st through the 5th be our camp meeting. This year, Brother Brian McDonald will be our night speaker. We'll start with him on Monday night at 7 o'clock. And then on Tuesday morning, at 10.30, Brother Alan Hinton will be our morning speaker uh, from Tuesday morning through Friday. And uh, if you've never been to the morning services, we, we have prayer meeting from 8.30 to 9.30. We do a continental breakfast uh, after the prayer meeting, then we start service at, at 10.30. And uh, camp meeting's the highlight of our year. We go all in for camp meeting. I don't know how many people through the years that we've seen get saved and or filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost during our camp meeting. It was one of the first things that God as a brand new little baby church laid upon my heart. I want you to host a camp meeting. I said, Lord, we, we, we just, we're just a, a baby. There's not many people here. And I, camp meeting to me is morning and night. Only night is revival to me. <laughs> and so I said, Lord, if I do camp meeting, I won't have nobody here in the morning to even to even come. And if we do camp meeting, I'm have, I have two speakers, and I don't know if we can even afford to have one. And the Lord said, well, I guess you'll just trust me or you won't. And I said, all right, Lord, we're going to have camp meeting. God, in praying for preparation for that camp meeting, God really spoke to my heart and said, camp meeting is going to be an atmosphere that is conducive for people to experience Pentecost. And when God birthed this church, he said to me, I want a Pentecostal church in Foley, Alabama. And uh, I know I'm not the only, you know, I'm not the only one in Foley that's credentialed with the AG and there's Church of Gods and there's Independence and I'm not the only one but I'm just telling you God spoke to me. That's my calling. I want you to make sure that I have a Pentecostal church and what anybody else does that's on them. But what God birthed in me I know it through the years we could have gone a lot of different ways so could you in your life with your testimony you could go a lot of different ways but the Bible Paul said I am what I am by the grace of God and you can't be what you're not you heard my pastor preach this morning and uh, I, I just can't be anything else Acts 17 verse 15 And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus for to come to him with all speed they departed. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know therefore what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. 
Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Amen. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Amen. I, I use verse 23 for our key text tonight. I found an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. I want to preach on this thought, the God we know. Amen. Can you imagine what it'd be like to worship a God you don't know? Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't, he, Jesus told the Jews or, or told the woman at Samaria, not the Jews, the woman at Samaria, you worship, you know not what. We know who we worship. Think about that. We know who we worship. We're not worshiping an unknown God. I want to preach on the God we know. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We pray one more time that you'll bless and anoint the preaching of the word. I need your help, oh God, to touch me. I pray you'll anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what the Spirit would say unto the church tonight. Touch us around this altar. Touch those that are home and unable to come. There are some and many that are sick, oh God, and we receive those requests often. I pray you'll go to them tonight. You'll minister healing to their heart, to their home, to their body. Oh God, you know the need and you're able to meet it tonight. Do it all in, in the name of Jesus, we pray. For his glory and for his honor, we ask it. If you love him, would you say amen? word stranger means, according to Webster's dictionary, one who is unknown. Paul, in speaking to the Athenians, I noticed as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship him declare I unto you do you know that's our life's calling is to declare him unto all them who are ignorant of him I can't imagine what it would feel like to serve or to worship a strange God and Webster's Dictionary again says of the word stranger, one who is unknown. Do you know from the moment you begin to worship God, that is the moment you became a believer, you've never worshiped a strange God. You, you, you've never felt like God was a stranger unto you. And to me, that's the most awesome thing about our God is he reveals himself to us. We not only know his name, we intimately know his heart. We intimately know his character and his nature. I can't think of what it would feel like to serve or to worship a strange God, a God that has not revealed himself unto me. Israel tried that. For themselves, if you could imagine, because that's what the world is. That's what the world does. Do you know the world worships 
the God of self. And they don't even know it. Many people that claim to be Christians are worshiping the God of self. They put self far above any other God. If it aligns with what they want to do, then that's fine. If it ever kicks against their will, you'll find out really fast what they think about you or the God you serve. In Jeremiah 5 and 19, it shall come to pass when ye shall say, wherefore doeth the Lord our God all these things unto us? Jeremiah was prophesying that God was going to judge Israel. And these are his words. It shall come to pass that when ye shall say, wherefore doeth the Lord our God all these things unto us? Then shalt thou answer them, like as ye have forsaken me, and served strange gods in your land. So shall ye serve strangers in a land that is not yours. Do you understand that God drove them out for the sole purpose that they had become idolaters? They were serving strange gods. So God said, if you like strange gods, I'm gonna let you live in a strange land with strange people. A land that is not your own and a people that don't know you and you don't know them because you have become accustomed to worshiping strange gods. Gods that have not revealed themselves unto you. Gods that are not intimate with you. Gods that cannot talk to you. Gods that cannot answer you. Gods that cannot do anything for you because they are no gods at all. Right. Strange gods. Do you know that Christ or God, Jehovah was the one that called them strange gods because they were unknown to his people, to his children. In our text, the Athenians approached our gods or our God as a stranger. They called our God, Jehovah God, uh, who's revealed unto us through his son and our savior, Jesus Christ. They called him an unknown God. They said that this gospel was a strange new doctrine. He's not the such unto us. Amen. This is not a strange new gospel to us. This is the only gospel. For anybody to preach anything to you and I, but the gospel would be utterly strange. If somebody were to read to me the book of the Mormons, that would be totally strange to me. If somebody were to share with me teachings uh, of a dogma or a religion or a doctrine. I know the Quran is a book, but I've never wasted five minutes reading it. I don't call it the holy Quran because to me, it ain't holy. God is holy and his book is the Bible. I just call it the Quran. It is a book. But I've never wasted five minutes reading. And I know I, I've been scolded by many of my peers for that. Listen, if you're going to reach a Muslim, then you need to, you know, read what he's vested into. You need to read and become familiar with what he has rehearsed. And I said, if I'm going to reach a Muslim, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the anointing of God. I need the scripture through the spirit of God to convince him I'm not going to ever know the Quran like he knows the Quran because he believes it. I don't. I'm going to reach him with what I do know. I'm going to reach him with what I do believe, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You won't reach the world by the world. 
You won't reach a Muslim by convincing him that what he's learned and studied in, that you can learn it and study it. And because you know the Quran and the Bible, you can debate with him that you don't win a man by debate. It's the Holy Ghost that convinces a man he's lost. I'll tell you the best way you'll ever win anybody to Jesus uh, is to become intimate with him, one with him. Uh, and what you know, you know. Amen. 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 Who you know, you know. Listen, he's not strange unto us. This is He's not a strange God unto us. This is not a strange gospel. He said, uh, I noticed uh, when, I, when I walked among you, I've been waiting on my, my, my brethren to get here. I'm waiting on men that I've summoned to come and help me in this city. But while I've waited and I've observed and, I, you know, I've had dealings with you, I've, I've watched your devotion. I've seen an altar that you pray to with an inscription on it to, to the unknown God, a God you do not know. A God you ignorantly worship. He said, I come to preach to you about a God you don't know. I come to tell you what his name is. I come to tell you the plan that he has in store for your life. He said, him declare I unto you. Do you know the him that he declared was Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ, you can't pull God the Father down out of heaven. But I'll tell you, God the Father sent his only begotten son who took on the form of flesh. You're not going to pull the Father off his throne down here to heaven and say, this is the Father. No, he said, if you want to know the Father, you've got to know him through the Son. Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. If you know me, you'll know him. He said, him I declare unto you. So there is no other message as far as God is concerned except the message of Jesus Christ. That's the message that we are called to declare. You imagine what it would be like to worship an unknown God. You imagine what it would be like to, you know, try to, Become close to somebody that you don't even know. Well, that's what it feels like to be a Muslim. That's what it feels like to be a Buddhist. (laughs) That's what it's got to feel like to be in any other dogma or religion or any other belief system. And I don't consider myself to be religious. I consider myself to be in love with Jesus. People may call me religious because I go to church and because I read my Bible and because I devote a prayer time and because I pay of my, you know, out of my finance a tithe. They call me religious, but God calls me a son. Yeah. Hallelujah. Listen in Luke chapter 2, Jesus speaking about his revelation of the Father. Unto us, he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. It was Jesus that told me, When you pray, you're praying to the Father. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. Jesus come to make me intimate with the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father's heart, the Father's will unto me. The Father is not some strange God to me. I know, I heard a preacher testifying one time, and he said, I, I, I felt so broken, divided, confused in prayer, and he said, I was praying to the Lord Jesus, and I said, you I love because I I see you hanging on a cross and I see you sacrificing yourself and I see you praying in the garden. I see you praying in heaven. 
so that the Holy Ghost can descend under the church. And I, the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity, Him I am very intimate with. Him I am one with. He is the paraclete, the one who comes along the side. He, he's the one who helps my infirmities. But I feel so distant from the Father. I, I, I feel like He's unknown to me and that I don't give Him the love that I deserve. And he said, for the next hour or more, he said, the Holy Ghost began to reveal to me the Son. And the more that he revealed the Son unto me, I could hear the Son saying unto me, have you been so long a time with me? And yet you would say, you don't know the Father? When you see me, you see him. If you see me hanging on the cross, the God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Oh, he said Christ died not of his own will, but the will of the Father. Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. It was God the Father that loved this sinful world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Christ came to reveal to me the love of God. And the Father says, you can't know the love of God outside of the love of God in Christ Jesus. You, you, you just can't know him without Christ. But when Christ has come, when the revelation of Christ is given, you cannot help but know him. Somebody said to you, man, you know, that, that's just a strange doctrine to me. God just seems so far away. Then to me, the cross, is, the cross of Jesus Christ has failed to, be, to have been preached. Jesus Christ and Him crucified is what Paul told the Corinthians. I determined to know nothing among you save Christ and Him crucified. It's the message of the love of God in Christ Jesus that will reach a man and that will reveal the heart of God unto a man. It's the only message we have. If that message don't work, and I'm sorry, I don't have anything else to offer. I've been in the church long enough to realize, hey, and I, I've seen good churches. We're going we're gonna to give 12 packs of coats away to the person that brings the most visitors. We're going to give a 10-speed bicycle away to the person that brings the most visitors with them this Sunday. Wonderful. Somebody's going to get a 10-speed. I'm telling you, if they bring two dozen people with them and they don't meet Jesus, they're going to take their 10-speed and go home. I don't have anything else to offer when you get them here but Jesus. And to me, this is just my point of view. I'm not opposed to, to, you know, to thinking outside the box to reach people. I'm not. But if your testimony and what Jesus Christ has done in you if that can't win somebody over, either through love or joy or conviction of their sin, then a 12-pack of coats or a 10-speed is just a cheap attempt to get them here for one Sunday. Hey, I don't know what else to offer young people but Jesus. We could have an arcade game. We could have a huge entertainment system. I, I could bring in the latest and the greatest like they do at our state-run youth camps. I mean, we could smoke it out. Uh, we could strove it out. Uh, we could do anything you want, but I really don't know what else uh, I can do to reveal the heart of God unto a young person but preach the word. And if the gospel hasn't reached them, they're not reached. It don't matter if they come to your church. If the gospel hasn't reached them, then they're not reached. 
Listen in Luke. Again, he commands us, when you pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, Jesus is saying, I'm bringing unto you a relationship with God. God is not some strange Godhead figure unto you. He will be as intimate to you as a father is with the son. Matthew 16 and 15, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. You can't know the Father without Jesus Christ. And the Son of God will never be revealed unto you outside of it being the will of the Father. Lo, it is written of me in the volume of the book, I am come to do thy will, O God. The God we know. Why do you worship this Jesus Christ? This God whom you claim to know, this God whom you claim to love and whom you claim to, that loves you. I worship him because the, the Bible reveals him to be the only God in existence. Amen. I could quote you so many texts, but God said there's none beside me. Yeah. Yeah. I love the song. There's no God like Jehovah. Days of Elijah. There's no God like Jehovah. When it reaches that point of the song, it just builds up into an apex and a climax and makes you want to come to a shout. But you know, you know, theologically speaking, that's only partly right. There's no God like Jehovah. And I also sing there's no God but Jehovah. He's the only one there is. He's God all by himself. And he's the only God that ever took on flesh and dwelt among man and gave himself. And in doing that, the sole purpose, the Bible said in the beginning was the word. And he's talking about Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And listen, what that is saying is that Christ came to the world for the sole purpose is so that God would be revealed unto man. That was lost in the fall. Man became a sinner. You understand what I'm saying? In the beginning, God created Adam in his image and in his likeness and breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. He was perfect as God was perfect. He was as eternal as God was eternal, and he was as much like God as Christ. He was not the Christ, but I'm saying he was perfected as he was Created after God's image and likeness, uh, he was as much like the man, Christ Jesus. Only difference was he was a created being and Christ has always been. But he was a godly man. And do you know the Bible calls Adam the first Adam? Made in the image and the likeness of God. And he called Christ uh, who came born of a woman uh, in the likeness of sinful man. Uh, but he called Christ the second Adam. Yeah. Meaning he was uh, sinless. He was uh, perfect. But the Bible said of Jesus Christ, he was not just merely the second Adam. He was the last Adam. Not only was he 
born perfect. Hallelujah. I don't make a, a mommy want to shout. He died perfect. He died sinless, victorious over sin, over self, and over Satan. There'll never be another Savior. There'll never be another cross. There'll never be another means or a way under God, under salvation. Christ won it all. Christ paid it all. When he breathed into Adam, man was born into perfection, meaning he was created perfect. He was created holy. He was sinless. He had no sin in him. He was eternal. He wasn't going to die. But when Adam sinned, he became a sinner. And he was driven out of the garden. And no more was he sinless. Now he was a sinner. Now he was cut off from communion and from fellowship with God. Now God had effectively become a far off, aloof. No fellowship, no oneness, no Likeness, no commonality. What happened to you when you got born again? Somebody said, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I get the, I get the idea behind it. They may say it ignorantly. I'm not putting that down. Somebody can say that ignorantly, and I don't want to body slam them spiritually. But I just kindly remind them, are you born again or ain't you? The Bible said that we've been made partakers of the divine nature. And the nature of a sinner is to sin. He ain't drinking to offend you. He's not smoking because it gets on your nerves. He don't cuss and fornicate and run around and do what he does to spite you. He's only doing it because that's his nature to do it. A horse eats hay because he's a horse. A cow lows in the field. What's the cow say? Is what we say to little cutler. They live on a cow farm. What's the cow say? And he says, mm. He ain't mooing to prove to you that he's a cow. He's lowing in the field because he is a cow. A donkey don't bray. To, to, to make you laugh because that's one of the most uh, hilarious sounds to me. I can hear one bray about anywhere and it just tickles me. I don't know why, but it does. But he's not braying to tickle me. He brays because it's his nature. He's a donkey and a sinner sins because that's his nature. He's a sinner. Sinners don't offend me. When I first got born again, I was ignorant to the whole thing. I, I was even a little bit ignorant to the fact I was just like they were. But see a sinner living in sin, it just repulsed me. I become so repulsed by sin that the sinner repulsed me. That's being so holy that you stink. I mean, if you can't sit down next to a sinner, you got religion, but you don't have Jesus. Because they asked Jesus, or they asked the disciples of Jesus, why does your master always eat with publicans and sinners? Jesus said, because I didn't come to save the righteous or to call the righteous to repentance. He said, a physician don't see well people. He's there to, for sick people. And he said, I come to call sinners uh, under repentance. Uh, I come for people that need God. That's the God we know. I'm talking to you about the, the thrice holy God. Let his son, who is just as much God as he, the second person of the triune Godhead put on flesh and came and said, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know that in your sin, I love you. And I want you to know I've come to redeem you from the corruptive nature of sin. Right, right. Come on. 
You know you can be sick in your body and still go to heaven. Because your body is the last thing that will be redeemed. The Bible said the last enemy that is to be defeated is the grave. Know what he's talking about? Your body is the last piece of the puzzle to be redeemed. He come to redeem me, that is my spirit, from this corruptible, sinful, Adamic nature. You can't know God as a sinner. A sinner can learn his ABCs. A sinner can learn that two plus two is four. A sinner can be a genius. But if he's not born again, a sinner can't know God. You can put him through a Christian school and they can learn the name of Jesus and know all 12 of the disciples' names. You, You can teach them to memorize all the books of the Bible in alphabetical order and they can name them to you. You can teach them to memorize a memory verse uh, and they can quote a memory verse and come home and they got a star on their paper and an A in the class and uh, you can teach them all the right things uh, but they cannot learn Jesus Christ. Uh, you got to be born again and once you are, he redeems you from that sinful nature and it's all of a sudden like scales fall from your eyes and he gives you a new nature, a divine nature. It's the nature of the sinner to live like the world and it's the nature of a child of God to live holy. Nobody had to tell me when I got born again you can't talk like that. You can't curse somebody out when you get mad. Nobody had to convince me you don't need to go there anymore. I'm talking to you about being born again. I'm talking to you about the God we know. You know, I'm preaching this to you, and this is no strange doctrine to us. But if I preach this uh, in about eight out of ten ancient churches, uh, they look at me cross-eyed. Because he's become a very strange God. God rebuked Israel and said, you're worshiping strange gods. Those gods can't do anything for you. Those gods don't speak to your heart. Those gods have never answered a prayer. And those gods have never gave up anything for you. You ever notice you've got to give up everything for the world. But the world won't give up one square inch for you. Come on, preach, Brother Eddie. I'm trying. I said this world won't give up an inch for you. If you want us to join you, then you're going to give up this, 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 and this. If you want us to come to your church, then you need to stop doing this. And If you want me, you need to stop with that tongue talking and that shouting and everything else. You might as well ask an apple to be an orange. I've told this story more than once and it's comical, but it's true. We was in here and there's a woman come in visiting from another charismatic church. They would claim Pentecost. They speak in tongues. All of that. I know them. They know me. We share the same county and I'm friendly with them and they're friendly with me. We see each other out in town at restaurants. We're friendly We love each other. One thing I ain't going to do is be a preacher's enemy. I ain't going to do it. One thing I ain't ever going to be guilty of is trying to tear another ministry or a church down or apart. I ain't going to do it. A 
lady from their church came. I didn't know she, I came. I walked in the door. Came out of my office into the sanctuary. She's sitting on the back pew. I do not know it. I'm ignorant of it. There's a there's a, a big old flag underneath the pew. Somebody wants to worship worship God with a flag. More power to them. She's sitting on the back pew with the flag tucked under there. I introduced myself. She introduced herself just sweet as she could be. I'm the pastor. Oh, I've heard so many good things about your church. I just want we have church on uh, Tuesday night. Y'all have it on Wednesday night. I just want to come in. I said, thank God. I'm so glad you came. You know, you're welcome here. We got up. We started service. We jumped into the hymn book. I will never forget it. Page 212, keep on the firing line. Sister Erica's on the piano and I get to singing and as my custom oft is, I'm worshiping with my eyes closed. And I've been told by my wife since then, you need to worship with your eyes open. <laughs> Brother Brian, I was praying one night, I reached out and, you know, closed my eyes and they went shouting. They just walked me right upside the head. He walked over in the corner and was laughing his head off. And I come back and I said, man. I said, have I got a mark on my face or they scratched me? I said, my whole face is stinging. I said, he said, you're going to learn what Jesus meant when he said, watch and pray. <laughs> I said, I sure will. And Kim's told me ever since that night, you need to sing with your eyes open because sometimes you need to know what's going on around here. Long story short, I... I started out leading worship and I'd always focus on the one person that'd just be sitting there not doing anything. I'd just get fixed on that and I'd try to do everything in my power to get them to move and if they wouldn't move, I'd just, I'd just be flabbergasted. So I just started closing my eyes and worshiping and just picturing the Lord and it was just me and him. That's what I was doing that night. I'm telling you, I got, I got the worshiping like I sometimes do and the Holy Ghost started falling and like I sometimes do I was running in slow motion keep on the firing line I come around there I kicked that leg real high and come back around it got on Sister Erica she jumped up from that piano stool and like she was prone to do every now and again, she had stopped playing. I'm lost by then in the Holy Ghost. She stands up and says, Whoa! 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 That ain't no strange thing to us. Kirsten kept singing. Sister Darlene kept singing. I kept singing. And the church kept singing. That ain't no strange thing to us. But what was strange to me and to my wife is before the Holy Ghost sat down in this house, that woman just trying to get in. She just trying to feel at home. She got that flag out from under the back pew and out across the back she went. She's waving that flag down the side. She comes, she's coming across the front, waving that flag. She's coming down. I think she's on her second trip about the time that the Holy Ghost is getting ready to fall and the whole time she's going around the church, kids going, oh, oh. He's going to open his eyes and see that and oh, he's going he's to say something to her and it's going to be embarrassing. This is about to get bad. And the Lord saying, Lord, please let that woman sit down. Let that woman put that flag up before my husband opens his eyes and Holy Ghost falls and Sister Erica goes to shouting. She said about midway down this aisle, that woman's eyes got big. That flag come down, tucked up under her right arm and out them double doors she went in a flash, gone. When we got back to the house, she said, I, God just worked that out. So I, I was so worried about what you were going to say to that woman. And I said, what woman? She said, the woman with the flag. I said, what flag? She said, you never seen the flag. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. She 
said, you need to open your eyes. She made two laps around. I said, what happened? She said, you got to dancing around and Erica got to shouting. And she went out the back door, lickety split, scared like a bolt of lightning. Hey, I'm at home when the Holy Ghost falls. Do you know there are people out there that if they were to hear you speak with unknown tongues, they would say you got a devil in you. I want to tell you, folks, I ain't never been scared when the Holy Ghost comes. Except for when I was a sinner. He would scare the life out of me. When the preacher would preach on the rapture, it would scare the life out of me. When the preacher would preach on hell, it would scare the life out of me. When the Holy Ghost would fall, it would scare the life out of me. But now as a believer, he's no strange God to me. The Holy Ghost is not a scary figure to me. Somebody said, well, I just don't feel loved in your church. I just don't feel uh, uh, welcome in your church. I said, well, no wonder. You, you, you've been shacking up. Uh, you living with a person out of wedlock. No wonder. You out there partying on the weekend. You can't live like a sinner and feel, and feel a part of the body of Christ. Uh, I says, anybody said anything ugly to you? Well, no. Anybody treated you bad? Well, no. Hadn't you, hadn't people, you know, made you feel included? Uh, uh, don't people talk to you and shake your hand and hug your neck? Let, well, yeah. I said, well, what is it then? Oh, it's that preaching you do. It just makes me feel guilty. I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm not here to be your pal. I'm here to reveal to you a God who loves you enough to let you know he come to redeem you from your sin. That's the God we know. And if somebody were to come preaching to me, any other God. If you preach to me an agape that won't redeem me from my sin, that's not the love of God in Christ Jesus. You hear me? I don't care if you can quote the Greek name for it. Love, charity, agape. If you preach to me a sloppy agape, then it don't move me. It doesn't. That's not the God that I know. The God that I know says, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. What's it say? Depart from iniquity. And man, I ain't never seen it like I've seen it. But Wednesday night we preached on sin, trespass, and iniquity. Let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's the God that I know. I ain't got to come help me, Kirsten. I ain't got time to preach it all. I could preach a series on it, but I ain't. Too close to camp meet. The God that I know is a Savior that redeems me from my sin, but more importantly, from my sin nature. Because if He doesn't redeem me from my sin nature, then I'll never see the sinfulness of my sin. How else can I cease to love? or cease to walk in my sin if he doesn't redeem me from a sinful nature. So when Adam fell, he's no longer one with God. He is a sinner, separated from God. The whole point that Christ came as the second Adam was to redeem the first Adam. Once that redemption was finished, it is finished. He was the last Adam. I'll tell you the God I know, he's a savior. He's a Holy Ghost baptizer. Oh my God. Hallelujah. 
I have come by my spirit to reveal myself unto you through my word, saith God. It is my heart and it is my desire to be known of my children. And lo, I have come. I have revealed myself to you in the face of my son. I have revealed my glory unto you through my son. I have revealed my will and my heart and my nature through my son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved than at the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Listen, he's a Savior. He's a Holy Ghost baptizer. The Holy Ghost came to empower us as the witness. It was the Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the grave is what the Bible teaches. And that witness of resurrection power lives in me so that when I preach this gospel, they won't see me. They'll see Jesus. That's what I said you need more than you need the to know the Quran if you're going to win a Muslim you better know Jesus and you better be full of the Holy Ghost and this this God we know he's a savior he's a Holy Ghost baptizer he's also your healer I want to tell you why I wouldn't let Dr. Faircloth I'm not against doctors God knows I've already had a surgery on my shoulder but in this particular occasion I think half of me was a little scared to let a man cut my throat no lie he said we're going to go in on this side of your esophagus I'll come down with a vertical incision then I'll come across with a horizontal incision I'll go in right next to you your larynx your voice box, your vocal cords I'll go in there and take that vertebrae out I'll use that bone to make some spacers I forget what all he told me he would do and he said when you wake up you'll be out of pain he said no I'm not God no surgeries without wrist there's a wrist I could nick major artery in there there's a wrist I could nick your vocal cords and you'd never have the same voice again there's a he said, but I, I give you about a 95% chance everything go perfect and you'll wake up pain-free and I do this every day and I'm good at it and I got a high level of confidence at it. You know, he said, but it'd be better if I didn't have to do the surgery. And I said, you got that right. It'd be a lot better. And he said, well, that, that's my hope for you is that you won't need me. We're going to give you the epidural and, you know, We'll come back in a month, and if your neck's still hurting. Well, my whole deal was I'm putting God on a time. I'm putting God now on a month's time schedule. I was torn over it. And God just spoke in my heart, and he said, Look, the day's coming. With all these mandates, the day's coming. People ain't going to have a doctor to go to. They ain't going to find nobody that can work on them. They're going to come through those doors. They're going to say, what about this God that you know? Does he heal people? Because I'm sick and can't get well. And I can't find anybody to help me. Does this God you know? Does he heal? The Lord said to me, Brother Steve, I want you to be able to have the testimony to say to them yes he does yes he does yes he does because he healed brother Daniel when he was 
I know them two right there was hospital sick. When I heard Sister Sharon just talk to her for two, three minutes on the phone, I knew she had pneumonia. She was awful. She told Brother Daniel just as sick as she was. He might have been a few days ahead of her on getting better. Just as sick. I know he will because he healed them. I know he will because he healed him and her and them. But there ain't no kind of convincing testimony. Because I got a no-so salvation. And I got a no-so experience. God, I want to know if you'll do it for me. And the answer is he will. He will. Hallelujah. He's a God that saves. He's a God that feels. He's a God that heals. He's a God that's gone away. He rose from the grave and he's ascended to the right hand of the Father and he ever lives to make intercession, but he's also preparing a place for us. He's soon to come again. Just as much as I know him as a savior, as a Holy Ghost baptizer and as a healer, I know him to be a God who is about to return. And the reason I'm so convinced he's about to return is because I'm so convinced that he's my savior. I'm so convinced that he's my healer. I'm so convinced that he has filled me with the Holy Ghost. Don't you want to know him as such? Don't you want to be intimate with him in every way possible? If I'm not, if I'm just doing this because mom and dad does it, if I'm just doing this because grandma or grandpa taught me that you need to go to an Assembly of God church, I'm just doing this because, hey, my, my husband's stubborn. He's hard-headed. He ain't going to no church but Bible way. And that's the only reason you're here is because your spouse makes you come. If that's it, then Paul's preaching to you. I, I, I perceive you're too superstitious. You worship an unknown God. He said, and that's the God that I came to declare unto you. And do you know when he got through preaching it says and some believed on him. Yeah. Some. You know what that means? Some left that altar. No longer was Jesus Christ and the Father the unknown God. They left that altar and made their own. Pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, my Savior, my Holy Ghost baptizer, my healer, my soon coming King. Man, I want to know Him. Was the Apostles' hearts cry as a Holy Ghost baptized man? as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Oh, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. I want to know him, and I want to know him deeper and in a, in a more personal and intimate way in these last days than I ever had before. Daniel said of us, stand with me. And they that know their God shall go forth or shall they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Don't you want to know Him? Don't you want to erase the inscription off of that altar to the unknown God? Don't you want to rewrite tonight to the God we know? Oh, hallelujah. To the God we know I come to sing a song of adoration. To the God we know, I'm going to lift my hands in praise and in worship. To the God we know, I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. Because I know what you've done for me. And I know what your will for my life is. Come on, meet me in this altar tonight. It's an altar 
inscribed to the God we know, to the God we know and love, to the God I serve and worship. 